0: Hallelujah, so glad uh, God that you are in complete control of everything today. We give our hearts and our souls and our minds to you today. Father, let our hearts and souls and minds but let, let us be open and receptive to what you have for us today, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. So glad that everybody's come to be with us online as well. And uh if you're not seated, you can be seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're going to continue on this last Sunday of the month of October to talk about uh, the subject that we've been talking about, the attributes of a mature disciple. And uh, we're going to continue in this uh, this area. And, uh, the week one, we talked about adding to our joy. And it just seems to me like these things have just been kind of adding upon each other as we go, because we, we seem to be talking about the previous subject on the next subject. So, you know, that's the way God's Word is. There, there is no there, there's no issue with, with God's Word uh, having an issue with itself. Amen. It all blends together. Amen. And, and, and so we've, we've been talking about adding to our joy. We've been talking about in week two avoiding sin. Amen. And in week three, last Sunday, we talked about avoiding false teachers and false prophets. And to some extent, maybe just a little bit, we talked about avoiding the possibility of our own, of our, us as individuals becoming false teachers and false prophets. And we, why did we talk about that? Because it, we talked about the importance of knowing what this book says. Because ultimately you're going to be teaching this to somebody. Paul couldn't be there. Peter couldn't be there. Those disciples wrote those letters either because they were in jail or they couldn't be there. And so these letters made their way around the different churches, the different congregations. And so these people, it was entrusted to them. This gospel was entrusted to those people to go uh, just like they did after the day of Pentecost. They went what? From house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship with all the people. They took it from house to house. Right? Right? And so that's, that's the way it needs to be in my opinion. It's a, I've got to, I might not be at my house, but in my mind, when I'm at work or when I'm in whatever place I'm in, I, if I'm sharing the gospel, if I'm talking about the Lord, I'm talking about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, I am taking this from house to house. You know, when they, in the Old Testament, And even in the New Testament when they spoke of like the house of David or the house of Jesse or the the house of this person or that person, they weren't talking about a physical house, were they? They were talking about their lineage or their family, right? So you could literally take this from house to house without actually going in somebody's dwelling just by talking to an individual in that family unit, right? Because you win somebody in a family. You win an individual in a family, they might be a son or a brother or a father or a mother or somebody and something's going to happen in that family. It's going to have a ripple effect. And if it's, if it's a profound, as profound an experience as any of us have ever experienced in receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus name, they're not going to be able to not talk about it to the rest of their family. And so you're going to, all it takes is one little spark. To start a fire. That's all it takes. And so today we're going to continue and we're going to finish this up with talking in week four about strengthening our faith, strengthening our faith, and ensuring eternal life. Strengthening our faith and ensuring eternal life. We're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 1 through 5. Start this out. Luke 17, verses 1 through 5, and it reads, Then said he unto the disciples, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he said, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and, and he cast into the sea, than that... Then that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother, everybody say thy brother, trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. It doesn't say beat him up. It doesn't say condemn him. It just says rebuke him. It just says remind him because I don't want to see my brother to be lost, right? And so we got to remind them. That's what Jesus is saying. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, whoa, somebody could trespass against me seven times in a day? Right? This is Jesus talking. He's teaching the disciples something. And seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. End of story, right? verse 5 and the apostles said unto the lord increase our faith. Everybody say increase our faith. That's what I want. Every day I come into this building, every time I open this book, whether it's in my iPad or this physical book, I want the lord to increase my faith. Cuz there's some areas that I have to admit that I still need him to increase my faith on. Cuz there's no, there's more revelation in this book than I'll ever know. So I need him to every day to increase my faith. And so every human being on this earth whether apostolic or not is our brother and our sister. Cuz if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't he didn't differentiate. He talked to everybody. Even when he talked to that woman uh that that he he actually called her a dog cuz she wasn't a Jew and and what was her answer? <laughs> I think Jesus was amazed sometimes at some of the things that people said cuz her answer was yeah, but, yay, yeah, Lord, I might be a dog, but even the dogs eat from the king's table. And he was just, he was amazed by that. And so she was, she was his brother. This the woman at the well, she wasn't a Jew, but he took, he went out of his way not only to go there, but he sent the disciples away because he knew they wouldn't understand so that he could minister to that woman. And so everybody is is our brother and our sister by faith, right? Because in God's eyes, if he predestined every soul to be saved and left the choice up to them, then by faith they are our brother and sister until they make that decision. And so if God sees it that way, I should see it that way, right? I don't go around calling everybody my brother and sister, but you know what I'm saying? They are our brother and sister by faith. And I wanted to read that, that same five verses of, of Luke chapter 17 in the Amplified. It says, Jesus said unto his disciples, stumbling blocks, temptations, and traps set to lure one to sin, offenses, and this is I added this part, offenses, pridefulness, a critical spirit, holding a grudge, just to name a few, are sure to come. They're going to come. You can count on it. You can bank on it. That's what he's saying. But woe, and then when you see that word woe in the Bible, it means judgment. Woe unto you, woe. Woe, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone as large as one turned by a donkey were hung around his neck and he were hurled into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble in sin and lose faith. Who's one of these little ones? Just think about any soul outside the doors of this building. That's one of those little ones, okay? Pay attention and always be on guard, looking out for one another. If your brother, if I say your brother, sins and disregards God's precepts, solemnly warn him. And if he repents and changes, forgiving him, forgive him and forget. I don't know if that's in there, but I added it. You gotta forget. It. You can't forgive somebody and then keep just hammering them about the thing you just forgave them about. You gotta forget about it. If God forgave him and He put it under the blood and forgot about it, who are we, right? We gotta forgive him too. Amen. Even if if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times and says, "I repent," you must forgive him. That is, give up resentment and consider the offense recalled and annulled. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, our ability to confidently trust in God and his power. Wow. What a great definition of forgiveness. Right? Of what forgiveness is supposed to look like. We are not allowed to hold a grudge. If we expect to make heaven our home someday, when we cast that care, that thing we care about, that situation we care about, when we cast that on him, we're supposed to release it and not stay attached to it. What an, what an awesome definition of forgiveness. You, you have to give up resentment. You can't, you can't hold a grudge. You cannot keep that thing in your craw anymore. And I, I asked myself when I was studying this, why does it seem like Jesus was focused on this subject more than it seemed like anything else with the disciples? Did they have a problem forgiving? Because <laughs> there's another place in Matthew where he, where they asked him. They came and said, Hey. Peter said, Hey, can you can you just tell me if, if, if a guy sins against me seven times and and you know, and Jesus says, No. Seventy times seven. And Peter was probably like, What? 'Cause I he he did number eight and I just wanna just just, you know, do something to that guy. He he went past number seven. Right? We what's the principle there? You gotta keep forgiving. You gotta keep forgiving. I know this is not the subject we're talking about. Right? We're talking about strengthening our faith and ensuring our eternal life. Well, doesn't don't you think it's gonna assure you eternal life if you forgive somebody because if you hold unforgiveness in your heart I don't even want to go down that road that's a whole other subject so forgiveness has a lot to do with because we are not really assured salvation really are we until Jesus comes and we found out if we go or if we don't because we don't get to decide I I want to believe that he's going to take me with him when he comes I want to and I'm working and I'm and I'm I'm striving every day. I, I don't want to use the word working because it's not anything I'm doing. My righteousness is as filthy rags. But I'm allowing him to work in me and through me. And and so that, and, and that also in that scripture that we read, what a great definition of what faith looks like. The very faith that we have comes from our Heavenly Father in the first place. Didn't the Bible say that he gave unto every man the measure of faith? So you didn't have you couldn't have faith without him giving you faith. Right. No man comes to him except he draws him. He's got to give you the faith to even believe that he is. So by his grace, he gives us the ability to trust him. He gives us the ability to trust him. He gives us the ability to trust him. But it's up to us to exercise that. There's a lot of people that God gave the ability to trust him that chose not to exercise their faith. It just wasn't convenient right now for whatever reason. It just wasn't. The, I'll do it later. Not right now. I'm busy doing some stuff. So but I'll come to God later. And, and, you know, they got they made their decision. They made their choice. And then that that part really kind of stuck in my brain, Lord. They asked the Lord, they, they, they really kind of asked it in the form of a prayer, didn't they? Lord, increase our faith. Jam, Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary says of Luke 17 and 5, it says that the disciples were moved by the difficulty of avoiding and forgiving offenses. There you go. They, <laughs> it's human nature. It really is. This is the only instance in which a spiritual operation upon their souls was solicited of Christ by the twelve. Help us, God, increase our faith. Help us to understand how to forgive and how to have faith and trust you to allow us to be able to forgive. You know, I can't, of my own self, of my own filio i can't love people right there's some people out there i just don't feel like loving in the flesh but i got to i got to love them with the love of jesus christ that he put in me i got to love them cuz he loved them when they were unlovable when nobody else wanted to love them he loved them with his love with his father's love that agape and so these, these disciples were asking the Lord to do a spiritual operation on their souls. They were acknowledging the difficulty of avoiding forgiveness. How, many, how much more do we need to ask the Lord to help us? God, do an operation on my soul. Right? Because how easily can we be drawn into a critical spirit or having a grudge or all these things? Right? And you know, Jesus is a prayer answering God. He'll answer it if you're sincere and you want to change. He'll help you. We really do need God to do a work on us, don't we? Amen. Every day. Right? I mean, we sing that one song, I need thee every hour. (laughs) And some days we really do need him every hour, every 15 minutes. Really? I mean, some stuff goes on in our life sometimes, and we, we find ourselves saying, Lord, help me. Because I don't want to have to deal with this. Right? And it, it's just amazing to me how the disciples, those who walk closest to Jesus, struggle with the idea of forgiveness. Right? And we, we struggle with things. It might be not be forgiveness. It might be something else. But I don't want anything to get in my craw to help that's going to stand in between me and my Jesus. That's going to keep me from that assurance of salvation. Amen? Whatever it is, God, unforgiveness, whatever it is, God, you know, math, uh, King David prayed that prayer in, in Psalms 51. It, it would be a good chapter for you to go read. It really would. It would be a good one for you to read every day. It, it can be spoken out loud as a prayer. Because David, I mean, he had just done that horrible thing that he did with Bathsheba. And he immediately felt conviction. How many ever felt that? The moment you had a, a, a grudge thought in your head or, or some kind of a negative or critical spirit about something or somebody, you immediately felt that, oh, man, that's not right. That's the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And what did you do with that? Lord, forgive me for thinking that. Forgive me for even thinking it. I haven't even said it out loud yet. Father, forgive me. What did Jesus say? They, I mean, they they just annihilated him, pretty much. He was the Bible says that he he had he was marred beyond recognition. And what did he say? He said it out of love too. He said it out of agape love. Father, forgive them. Right. And it wasn't long after Jesus's death that we had this guy named Stephen. He did the same thing. He had to exercise what Jesus did as they were stoning him to death. Don't lay it to their charge. they don't understand what they're doing. they don't understand God just just forgive them. How many of us could do that? How many of us would really would do that if we were in the midst of being literally stoned to death for the gospel? Think about it. I'm not going to ask you to answer that but we don't even think in those in those terms in those concepts, that we would be persecuted to that level for the sake of the gospel, that we would even have to go there. But there might come a day. Matthew eighteen, twenty one to twenty two says, He came unto Peter and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, Till seventy times seven. I'm just not going to keep on beating that dead horse, but we gotta forgive. we got to forgive. I did not go into this when I was studying this to even talk about that subject. But it's like the Lord just kept taking me down that road. And that seems to be maybe there's maybe that's something that that we got to deal with. Because if there's anything that's going to keep us from that full assurance is that just that little spirit of unforgiveness. And it can be in the form of a grudge. It can be in the form of a critical spirit or any of those kind of things. And so we got to be careful because the enemy, he's the deceiver. He's a tempter. It's okay. You know, they really did you wrong. So it's okay for you to have a critical spirit about them. He'll tell you that. And we'll believe it. And we'll do it. God help us. It doesn't matter what, who it is or what they've done. That You don't have a right to... I mean, that's God's, if you think about that, that is God's creation. Right? He made them. However they're acting, he made them. We just got to love them like Jesus loved them. He loved them, no matter what, no matter how critical they were. the, The more critical they were, the more he loved them, it seemed like. He went out of his way to go talk to the scribes and Pharisees. And, yeah, he called them hypocrites and he called them whited sepulchers and all that, but he was trying to win them. He was trying to love them. He was trying to get in there and, you know, kind of shock them and wake them up. He wanted them to be saved, too. He didn't write them off. We just kind of read that into that sometimes. But I believe that he was as much reaching for them as he was for the for the the sinner and the publican and and the tax collector and all those other people that we read about. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, see, even grace is given unto us, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, maybe to have a sensible And and that that word soberly kind of means to have a sensible and a humble self-appraisal. Don't think of yourself as as being, don't be so self-important all the time is what he's saying. According as God has dealt to every man that measure of faith. It's not who we are, is it? To he is through us. Amen? Amen. So talking about our assurance of future salvation, as long as we walk with him and follow his will and fulfill the great commission as his disciples, and as we walk in faith that was delivered to us and operate in his power and authority in the spirit, we can have assurance of this great salvation that was offered to us through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, as long as we walk with him. Not walk ahead of him. We walk with him. He walks with us. And as long as we follow his will and fulfill the great commission, which was to everybody, right? As his disciples, are we not his disciples? And as we walk in faith, the faith that was delivered unto us, And operate in his power and authority that was delivered unto us. You know, all power and authority is given unto him in heaven and in earth, right? And so if we have his spirit in him, we have all that power and authority in us. And we just got to put it in operation. We can have assurance of great salvation. If we're busy about our father's business and not about our own business. If We put in the kingdom first in everything we say and we do, if we're busy doing that. I just believe that we are positioning ourselves, you know, because the Bible says even the righteous shall scarcely be saved. Where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Right. So it is a walk, isn't it? This this life that we live, it is a walk. It's not standing still. And we've got to walk it. I got to walk it, Sister Vicky. You got to walk it. I can't walk it for you. You can't walk mine for me. I got to have my relationship with him separate from you cuz I'm going to be judged by him, separate from you. Right? I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, but I got some stuff. We have some stuff we have to do on this earth to be honored with those words. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing him witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. The Amplified Version for that same scripture says this, For this reason, that is, because God's final revelation in his Son, Jesus, and because Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay more, much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift away from them, from the truth. I don't want to drift away. I don't want it to just subtly come upon me. For if the message given through angels, the law given to Moses, was authentic and unalterable, and every viola- violation and, dis- and disobedient act received the, an appropriate penalty, how will we escape the penalty if we ignore such great salvation, the gospel, the new covenant? For it is spoken at first by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us and proved authentic by those who personally heard him speak. And besides this evidence, God also testifying with them, confirming the message of salvation, both of the signs and wonders and by various miracles carried out by Jesus and the, and the apostles, and by granting to believers the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. He granted that to believers. Right. Amen. We, we, we got more power in our little finger than the devil has in all of his minions that he's got working for him. Because we got the power of God. If we would just know what we have and know how to use it. That word, those words there, give more earnest heed. Talks about uh, to have in addition to hold the mind or the ear towards someone. To pay attention. As a nautical term, it means to hold a ship in a direction, to sail towards intransitively. It means to hold on one's course toward a place. We got to stay on course. We got to keep our focus. You know, when you're plowing a field, and I never plowed a field. I know this man has (laughs) i never plowed a field, but I've watched it happen. But I know this is a principle because I've cut my grass before. It's kind of like plowing a field. You have to go in straight rows. And if you're pushing your lawnmower or even if you're driving a, a riding lawnmower, if you're looking all around, it's going to look like this when you're done. So when you're plowing a row, you got to keep your – because that horse is only going to go or whatever, wherever you're leading it. So we got to stay focused. Right? Am I right? Because your row ain't going to be straight if you don't. Right? Then you got to go back and do it again. <laughs> so we got to keep our row straight. Amen? This so great salvation that we talk about. Our great salvation is embodied in Jesus, whose very name means salvation. This is Jameson Fawcett and Brown, Hebrews 2 and 3 including not only deliverance from foes and from death and the grant of temporal blessings, which is the law promised to to the obedient, but also grace of the Spirit, forgiveness of sins, and the promise of heaven, glory, and eternal life. And all of that's tied back to things like forgiveness and, and all these things that we've been talking about. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised so it's really about his faithfulness isn't it he's faithful to us and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but ex- exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching exhorting one another we need to encourage one another in the faith it's okay sister linda you're going to make it i know we're going through some stuff together but you're going to make it i'm going to make it that's what we you know brother dennis used to talk about calling somebody up and saying tell them just pull on the rope you don't have to tell them why and we understood what pull on the rope meant i need you to pray i need you to pray don't need details. If God wants you to have the details, he'll tell you. Just pray. We got to keep each other lifted up. We got to keep each other encouraged. We got to we got to do those things. That's what the church in the New Testament did. That's what this is all about. Hallelujah. Jesus. What is the conscience? It talked about in that one verse, verse 22 said, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. In the uh, Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary, that word conscience means particularly a, a knowing of one's self, consciousness. And hence conscience, that faculty of the soul which distinguishes between right and wrong and prompts one to choose the former and avoid the latter. That's your conscience. What is What do we call that? We call that the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will prompt you. Right? If you're about to do or say something that is not pleasing to God, you will get a check in your spirit. You need to learn to listen to that. We need to learn to listen to that. That's one of the reasons that we have that spirit in us, so that we can live above that. Right? So kind of drawing this down to a close here this morning and this month. um, As we gather together with others of like precious faith, wherever that happens to be, whether in a park, in a home, on a Zoom call, or in a church service, we need to exercise our faith and fulfill the Great Commission to include those that do not yet know this Jesus in a personal way. We have, um, I mean, there are, I'm hearing testimonies from people of, of their messages that they were just doing little Zoom calls right here in Wisconsin, and people all over the world are watching their Zoom calls and watching their, their, their little 15-minute Zoom messages. And that's not what they intended when they started. They were just ministering to the local people. But people around the world are viewing that. Of all races and nationalities and colors and creeds, their there people are hungry out there. And so we got to be there for them. Jesus went to. Everybody say, went to. He went to the hungry and the hurting, the destitute and despondent, and the forgotten and forsaken of this world if he would have waited for him, them to come to him, they'd have never come. Think about it. They were, they were the outcast. No, they wouldn't have come anywhere near Jesus because he was considered a rabbi. They wouldn't have come anywhere near him. That leper, he wouldn't have come anywhere near Jesus. Jesus had to go to him and put his hand on him. So that's what we got to do. He didn't care about... The slings and the arrows and the insults and criticisms that came his way as a result of his love for the lost. It only drove him to love them even more. Not with his love, but with God's love. When we're operating with God's love, there is no barrier. There is no reason that we can even think of to to not minister to somebody. Because we don't know where they are. We don't know how they got where they are. We don't know what kind of life they've had to live. We don't know why they're in the condition that they're in right now. All we do know is they're in a condition that needs to be healed, that needs to be delivered. They need Jesus. If they just had Jesus, everything was going to be all right, right? And that's what happened to those people that Jesus ministered to. Something happened to that woman at the well when he walked away. And it affected that entire city, right? Right. So the ripple effect is amazing if you just touch one soul. That's so all he got to do is just one. We don't have to go out and preach the thousands, just one. Let God worry about the thousands. If he wants you to preach the thousands, he'll set that up and you'll be there. But until he does, you got just one. He's counting on us now to now be and to continue to become his mature disciples. Is there a point? Somebody tell me in this room, is there a point in our life where we ever stop maturing? ever never are you sure you're you're the scholar you're the bishop ever never I'll give you a minute to change your mind nope never wow so I want to keep maturing in the Lord I want to keep becoming whatever it is he's got planned for me to be and I might not be that yet but if I got to get to that point then i i got to stay focused on what he wants me to do and so that's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone and operate in the faith that he put in us it doesn't make sense for me god to go there but if you're saying for me to go there and say that to that person then i'll go do it if it even though it doesn't make sense and then they look kind of weird and dirty or whatever i'll go do it god because you said go do it and you don't know we don't know. I think I said this Wednesday. We have no idea who the next Paul's going to be. We have no idea. But we might be the vessel that, that the Ananias that is sent to that person. Amen? Father, we love you today. We thank you today for your goodness and mercy and grace. We thank you for this good word. Lord, your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It never changes, God. And your principles and precepts never change. We thank you, God, for ministering to your people today online and in this building. Thank you for ministering to me and speaking to me to these things today, Father. We pray your covering upon the remainder of this service and upon those online that you would continue to minister into their hearts and souls and minds and spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we'll take a break for 15 minutes.